0: Welcome to the Stacked Supplement Podcast, the premier
1: source for supplement news and reviews. Thank you for tuning in to another Stack Supplement Podcast interview. And I have another premium branded ingredient uh, expert on today with uh, Chris Flynn from Ingredient Optimize. Welcome.
0: Thanks, Shane. Thanks for uh, for having me here. I'm uh, really excited. I've been listening to your uh branded ingredient series it seems like here we've got a a bit of a showcase the last uh last week or so with with matt from uh from compound solutions and and todd from nutrition 21 so uh great to be a part of the discussion and uh hopefully your your listeners your readers get something valuable out of the the conversation today
1: yeah so you uh as you're saying the the company you're from is known as uh, plasma nutrition um and the technology you're most known for or kind of the flagship technology would be the ingredient optimized, which, and I could be wrong here, but I think we, coming from a sports nutrition space, we first saw it in Performix's uh, IO I don't know if there was any others before that or whatever, but um, that was the first one that I kind of recall seeing it in. Yeah, that that's correct. Yeah, Performix
0: was was our our first launch partner. Um, we launched as an exclusive actually uh, technology with Performix a few years back. Still really uh, excited to be working with the the team over at Performix. I'm sure you you know Peter Miller uh, yeah. over at Performix and and Chris over there. Uh, they they they've been a, a really great supporter uh, of our technology uh, since since really day one. Uh, and uh, and our story, I know, or our entrance into Sports nutrition um, is a is a little bit different than um, I'd say a, a lot of folks in the like branded ingredient space or in the, the supplement space in particular. Um, so Steve uh, Matasco, uh, he's he's my co-founder, uh, and I I'd say he took more of the uh, prototypical you know startup route to to ingredient optimized to classic nutrition. So uh, unlike a lot of the innovation in this space that is is born from uh, industry insiders who you know, I guess, recognize needs of their own customers. Uh, Steve and I were outside of the world of of nutrition and food. So our our background is not formally in, you know, food science, nutrition science. Uh, We were were working in professional services, uh, actually. So our day-to-day was dealing with consultancies and and private equity and and hedge funds, Um, but Steve and I worked together uh, at a startup there. And uh, as you know, working with small teams, when you have a small team of people doing a lot of work together, You can, I think, grow to work really well together, or you can grow to create a lot of animosity, um, because that friction is going to do one of those two things. And Steve and I worked really well together. Um, So we were on the same team um, with that company. We were there, I think, when we started. When I started, there were probably 20 or so people. There were about 300 when I left in a span of maybe two and a half years. but Steve and I, Steve and I would always talk about, you know, different challenges that we saw just, you know, in our lives or in our families' lives. And one of the things that we actually bonded over um, was having family members who were dealing with uh, old age muscle wastage or, or, you know, sarcopenia, which you actually touched on briefly with Todd, I think, in your in your conversation. Um, yeah, about that was, was, 21.
1: was that the one. Was it the velocity conversation?
0: Yeah, 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 it was. Um, so we actually our start. Was trying to address or trying to figure out if there was a way to support pre sarcopenic uh, demands. Um, So, and and apologies if this is a a long winded way to how we started IO. Um, But we started off trying to figure out what was how we could address old age muscle loss because I think anyone who knows family members who has the fortune of having family members live late into life, see the Downsides of that, in particular, the, the lo- loss of independence, the lack of quality mobility. of life that comes with mobility. Yeah. Um, and, and part of that, if you think about you know, ways to address it, there's interventions, there's trying to get people to exercise more or you know, physical therapy, or is there a device? Um, we looked at it on the nutrition side. Um, and one of the things that we were most surprised about um, was the rate of protein malabsorption broadly. Um, So when we started to dig into it, protein deficiency is a key contributor uh, to old age muscle wastage. But one of the things that we were surprised about, because Steve and I had been taking, you know, protein supplements, you know, for a while, just as you know, you know, recreationally, as right? Do, it's, yeah. it's, it's as you do, um, and you kind of assume that a high quality whey is, you know, 100% absorbed, or a high quality plant protein, if it's a blend, you're getting 100% of that. There's, there's not much you can do, you know. There's hydrolysis and there's enzymatic approaches, but you know, you look at the scientific measures like a, a PD CAS, uh, and you look at, you know, a whey protein, it's at one. One is the max, where else is there to go? Um, but what we, what we dove into, and, and goodness knows how many clinical trials and, and research papers we read through, um, the, there's a, a kind of a myth around the, the idea of that you know, perfect absorption or that complete absorption. Um, and it's pretty pervasive in sports nutrition, but uh, in food, you know, healthy aging nutrition as well. Um, And it's, it's not actually the case. So when you look at, you know, protein absorption or nutrient absorption in general, uh, there's a difference between something being, you know, completely digested um, and being completely utilized by the body. Uh, So timing when it comes to absorption, when it comes to bioavailability is everything. Uh, So you can have a protein that is more or less completely digested, but is not being fully utilized by the body. Um, and that's why you see things like I.O. doubling bioavailability. You see things like Velocitol seeing you know improvements in in bioavailability and uptake. It's because even though the the narrative around protein absorption is if you're using a high quality protein you're already getting all the protein you need um, that uh, that doesn't tend to hold true if you you dig into you dig into the research. And so long kind of long story short, there we approached it from a healthy aging perspective. Um, But as we started, you know, from our background, not being in the food and uh, food or nutrition space, we did what we knew best, which was kind of to conduct some due diligence. So we reached out to folks on the, you know, the industry side, so food and and supplement formulators and, uh, you know, marketers, but then looked at, you know, food scientists and PhDs. We talked to MDs. And one of the, I think from our standpoint, most surprising pieces of advice we got was, if you want to go into medical foods, if you want to look at healthy aging, the place to start is actually sports nutrition. Uh, that's the mm-hmm. early adopter market. And, you know, reputationally, it's, it's funny because sports nutrition can carry um, some bad weight because there, there certainly are like any industry, <laughs> right? There are, there are bad actors, yeah. um, but it, it, would, it would be like saying, you know, when Volkswagen has their emissions scandal that every automaker, therefore, you know, is uh, is is disreputable and and you shouldn't you shouldn't buy cars because one automaker was lying to you. And I think that in the in the rush to sensationalism around sports nutrition, uh, there is in the media and and I think the broader community, sometimes a a desire to uh, to talk about all of the negatives about the industry. Um, But routinely what we got from feedback from from all of these folks was you need to, if you're going to prove yourself, if you're going to prove this ingredient works, go to sports nutrition first. Um, and it was for two things. It was that this is the the world where new innovation is most tolerated. You know, it's, it's the industry where when you have something that's truly unique, they're the first people that are going to want to put it into their products. You're going to have real world test cases, people who are excited about the science. Um, but the other big piece is commercialization. Um, and it's something that I, I don't think a lot of people think about when you're bringing a new ingredient or a new technology to market, but the supply chain piece of it, can you produce at scale? Um, in our world, when we were looking at protein absorption uh, enhancement, there are or have been lots of approaches that work great on a five gram batch that you know takes two hours to process, but good luck getting something in Walmart and Costco if you can produce five grams every two hours. Yeah. Um, so so we kind of redesigned our approach um, then and there and said, you know, if we're going to if we're going to prove this technology out, it's, it's got to be in sports nutrition. And uh, and so we we set out on, I guess, our, our journey to bring this to uh, sports nutrition consumers.
1: So the so was it the kind of the goal, I guess, from what you're saying was that you wanted to kind of help the whole healthy and aging process. By means of ensuring people could absorb more than, well, just a better absorption with proteins and stuff like that to help muscle retention and, and everything. And so the protein came about was so, cause obviously you're saying the protein or the idea to enhance that came first. Mm-hmm. And so was it so how do I structure this question? So was it your goal to initially apply it to protein specifically? Or was it sort of thinking of maybe we could do it to a food? Maybe we could do it to like, was it just like protein just seemed to be the, the, the one that you could enhance the best and the most usable, I guess?
0: So it was, it was two things. I, I think one, um, because we were looking at healthy aging, Protein and, and sarcopenia, or or in this case pre-sarcopenia, because and I think Todd Todd hit on this too. Um, sar- once you hit sarcopenia, it's it's you know classified it's as a of, disease. Yeah. So so you would you know want to what, an approach would be in that pre-sarcopenic phase. Um, so one one side of it was that protein deficiency uh, is is a critical component to it. So um, with the initial goal of of you know targeting healthy aging. Um, there are kind of two struggles that uh, I think plague. And again, I know this is outside of the like the core supplement um, conversation. But when you look at someone who's getting older, you know, daily protein intake, <laughs> uh, daily protein intake is is supposed to increase. So you look at a, a healthy adult age, you know, 18 to 65, uh, you know, moderately active. It's you know 0. 0.8 grams per kilo. Um, of body weight is the the general recommendation for individuals over 65, that increases 50% or more. So they're actually, they actually need more protein because their bodies do a a worse job of utilizing it. So on the one hand, you've got a population that needs more protein. And uh, on the other hand, you've got a, a demographic, you know, those over 65 who generally have a suppressed appetite. So you need more protein, but- you are generally consuming less so (laughs) it's it so when we sit out initially you know part of it was okay how do we make a protein or a solution in this case protein was our target Um, protein powder became the target because the technology the core technology that we're using and you know we can dive into that as as much as you as much as you'd like but the core technology we're using and that steve had been developing uh, worked on powders um, or worked best on powders. And so, you know, the idea of applying it to, let's say, a, a, you know, a full food uh, product uh, wasn't as viable when we were getting started. Um, yeah. And we thought that looking at the the types of nutritional interventions that people typically do consume, you look at like Boost or Ensure for the, the aging yeah. market, they're already used to consuming a shake. So the idea of, of focusing on, you know, powder-based ingredients made sense. Um, and that's that's how we got started on protein Um, And then obviously, like I said, uh, all of the discussions funneled us towards sports nutrition. Um, As far as starting off with whey protein, uh, so we started this company or started working on the technology, uh, I guess it's about six years ago now. Um, I I think we've always taken a very, uh, you know, I want to call it kind of Silicon Valley startup mindset, um, which is, you know, go big and fail, fail hard and fail first. So, you know, if we're, if it's not going to work, you know, neither of us wanted to spend ten years, uh, you know, developing uh, developing a technology that we find out after millions of dollars and spend and all of this you know, yeah. life's work doesn't actually do anything or can't scale or consumers you don't want care. find out
1: sooner rather than later.
0: We want to find out no, sooner rather like than that. later. And so part of starting with whey protein whey protein is generally assumed to be the gold standard so you look at a a hydrolyzed whey protein probably the most but a whey protein isolate for for most consumers is kind of your gold standard for nutritional quality assuming again it's good quality material um so we we said let's see if we can take what is this you know best material best material on the market and make it better see if we can improve the bioavailability there um and uh, and so that's that's what we did uh we Started off, and after you know dialing in our technology, um, adapting it to whey protein, the, the first thing we did um, in earnest was a, a human clinical trial. And uh, again, that's not the typical route, but our thought was, you know, we can spend years doing uh, lab work and then animal studies, and then a small scale pilot, and then a full scale human huh? study. We might as well just go and do it. And yeah. you know, to to date now, we have ten human clinical trials. All ten of them have been successful. We certainly don't take that for granted. That's that's not a given, regardless uh, of uh, of how successful you've been in the past. Um, and uh, and it's it's what's been driving the growth for IO over the last few years.
1: Damn. So it's it's funny when you mentioned the the uh, the point eight per kilo, and then. The uh, As you get over 65, you want the 1.2 per kilo. And I was like, just being in the sports nutrition space, I was doing the math. I was like, dude, we go for 1.2 per pound. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and so the recommendation, yeah, obviously, so wait, you know, they're trying perfect for- perfect
1: audience right there. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's, you know, when you're, you're talking to a group that's trying for a pound per, you know, yeah. uh, a gram per pound of body weight- uh, it's very different than doing, you know, yeah, 0. 0.8 grams per kilo, um, which is- More importantly, think-
1: that audience is wanting to do it. Yeah. <laughs> they have the appetite for it and more. So it's, uh, it's kind of the perfect situation. I understand you're going for whey because to be honest, it's, it's the one that is most easily as applicable because when you guys started, plant proteins a little more uh, popular now, but back then mm-hmm. it, it was still in its infancy and whey was pretty much- or you could uh, was just just kind of what everyone had. I was going to ask a question about the because you're saying you're refining your technology and you were um, kind of I guess improving it or tweaking it a bit. It, I don't know obviously you know the mechanics behind it, but is it a, is it a situation where like if you were to grow the company or refine it over the years that you could get more out of it, like you could even improve the bioavailability even further, or is it sort of like we've hit the limit and now it's just kind of getting it out there
0: there's so we're always looking at what the you know generation two generation three of the technology is there's there's i'd say two development threads that run from us or run run for us as a company so on the one hand it's what are other ingredients or or applications as we would call them that that we can apply the existing technology to Um, there are a a number of variables that we kind of adapt uh, in our technology based on what type of material we're running through it. Um, but it uses that same, what we call a Gen 1 architecture for our technology. Um, and again, happy to, to dive into as much about what that tech is as, as you think is, is useful for your listeners. But um, on the one hand, it's new applications. So right now we have uh, adapted our technology for whey protein, our IO whey protein, our IOP protein, and then our, our IOBCAA, um, yeah. which is our, our first small molecule ingredient. Um, that was a, a, a big development challenge for, for our team. Um, because uh, if you think about the structure of a protein, like a whey or a pea, it's much more complex. If you think about a BCAA, uh, there's there's much less to modify. There's much less to enhance. So yeah. um, that was a big breakthrough for us, uh, just in terms of the the future of where this technology could go. The other piece, like you touched on, um, is actually refining or, or thinking, what is a generation two of the 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 machine look like? Does it allow us to apply it to different types of powders that may not currently work? Does it allow us to apply it to non-powdered uh, non powdered ingredients? Does it allow us to even do things like just drop, you know, bring the cost down so that we can make this more accessible? Because at the end of the day, um, there, are, there are two goals that we have as a company, or two, two key questions, I should say, that we're looking to address. One is is what is the role of of uh, of food as medicine um, and supplements certainly fall in that space um, and the other is how do we how do we bring about a more sustainable um, and environmentally uh, conscious you know food and, and nutrition ecosystem uh, and so as we build out the technology we're always kind of thinking about those two key questions.
1: So the so, I mean I'm going to probably break it down to as simple as 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 bro as I can probably get it but so basically. If I'm wrong, let me know. So you have sort of the machine, right? Mm-hmm. Can you explain sort of the process in which, like I have a bag of whey protein, you know, bland, whatever? So what what do you do? Or what's the simple process? Well, not simple, but kind of the steps in, in which you would then take that whey and then it would become the enhanced or ingredient optimized uh, whey yeah. isolate.
0: Yeah, so so we use um, what would be uh, an atmospheric plasma-based technology. So uh, it sounds, uh, I think, to some uh, a bit uh, daunting, which is why it, part of part of why we, we use the the ingredient optimized brand. I think it's more accessible. It also ports. So we use the kind of ingredient optimized or IO prefix for all of our ingredients, which which just ports well, and it, it's yeah. uh, been beneficial for brands because you know you look at the io name if they want to introduce way p bcaa and new applications down the line there yeah, their consumers know IO. what they know what io is they recognize what it is kind it of, reminded of... Me a
1: lot of like the apple ipod and in the beginning ipod iphone and all that yeah. stuff and i was like it's, yeah it's, it's it's a great like nice segue yeah
0: i i like to just steve will, steve uh, my co-founder will probably uh, cringe a little bit he's an android guy but uh, too, I, always, like, I, <laughs> I always, I do liken him a little bit to our Steve jobs, uh, you know, at the company he, uh, you know, as, as, far as what the technology is. So, so Steve, he actually, I think got his first patent when he was maybe 12 years old, he's been building stuff forever. Um, he's, he's oh, one of those. Shit. Yeah. You talk about, and there are a lot of, you know, kind of mad scientists or crazy geniuses in this industry. Um, Steve has been building stuff forever. He's been building companies again, since he was a kid, um, and, uh, and so he actually came across the, the atmospheric plasma technology that we're using uh, for for protein enhancement uh, in a previous business of his completely different sector, actually in of plastics manufacturing um, because plasma has lots of different applications. So plasma itself is just you know the fourth state of matter. Um, so, so it's you know, we're looking at a, a highly ionized gas. Um, and so in, in the in the case of food, um, or, or nutrition, it had, it has been used some uh, in the case of food sterilization, um, but never to enhance the, you know, nutritional properties of ingredients to enhance the, you know, the absorption, enhance the quality of food. Um, so Steve actually, in his many ventures and among the many patents he's been pursuing throughout the years and getting granted throughout the years, had been working with plasma and, uh, and kind of, I think it's, it's one of those, you know, he he loves to lift, loves to, you know, loves to experiment with supplements. I know we, we use the term biohacking. I don't think it was big then, um, but it, it's kind of just what people were doing. We feel when like it didn't have a, is
1: way beyond when it, didn't, when it didn't have a
0: term, I think steve, Steve's steve been hacking, hacking forever, um, but uh, kind of married these different worlds that he was in at the time, which was, you know, bodybuilding and nutrition with some of the other companies that he'd been building um, and saw a, a real potential for it. Um, so, getting back to, to how this works, we use this highly ionized gas. It's a natural process, so all, all the inputs are, are you know, compressed air and electricity. Um, so to boil it down, you know, I know atmospheric plasma you can sound a bit uh, intimidating as a technology, but there's a you know we basically have a, a piece of equipment that sits in line or out of line in a, a manufacturing site. Um, it's a you know think of it as a, a cylindrical tube, a chamber there, the protein in a continuous flow runs through that. Um, within that chamber, it gets exposed to the, the, the ionized gas. And when it exits the chamber, um, we're able to impart uh, these, these physical changes um, that make it easier for the body's own digestive enzymes to get down uh, or get into the protein, break it down and, and utilize it more effectively. Um, so the technology itself, you know, there's no additives, there's no residue, there's no you know, third party materials. Um, it's, it's atmospheric air when we talk about atmospheric plasma, it's just the air you breathe and electricity, um, and the changes that we're making to the protein itself are entirely physical. Um, so if you think about the the structure of a protein, the simplest way we visualize it, visualize it is, uh, you know, if you've ever had one of those jumbled up strings of Christmas lights that you get once you pull them out of the closet and you can't figure out what to do with them because... They'll never put, pull apart. Uh, our technology will go in because the protein has a similar structure and unfold it. it. It it unfolds the protein in such a way that your body can go in there and break it down most effectively. Um, and that's kind of at the core how the the atmospheric plasma works. Um, from a logistical standpoint, um, like I said, this technology itself it's a you know a single chamber. It sits in, we have a few manufacturing sites right now in the states. We are. Uh, currently expanding, uh, adding some some new you know suppliers to to our network. Um, but it's easy it's it's you know easy for the, them to use. Uh, that was one of the other big considerations for us um, as an as a branded ingredient technology company. One of the biggest differences for us versus you know the traditional branded ingredient model is that we don't uh, we don't sell you bulk protein yeah. in
1: super sex. Right. I'm, I'm so hearing, I'm getting, I'm getting that right now. I'm just like, yeah. Interesting. interesting. Yeah. So you're not really selling them. Like you don't have tons and tons of IO way sitting in a warehouse. You're kind of, so does your machine like adapt to a manufacturing line? Mm-hmm. So, so that was actually, oh. and one of
0: the break, one of the breakthroughs in, in, you know, equipment design, we knew that, you know, and and the, the cost to build out your own manufacturing facility is immense. Um, and we were, you know, when we started this company, we were, were bootstrapping it. Um, so, so we needed to figure out what was what was our core objective as a company. And for us, it was, it was focusing on the technology. Um, and then the second piece was okay. Well, if we focus on the technology, how do we make this work? Because we're not going to have the budget to go out and buy, yeah. even when when Way and P weren't at, at astronomical what prices, which they, prices. <laughs> which they are right now. Um, it's still, you know, the ability to carry that kind of inventory, oh, wow. you know, just wasn't the model that we had. So, so, uh, and and I guess quick aside. Initially, we did think that the route was going to be for us to launch our own uh, our own protein brand featuring our technology. So kind there like was a
1: showcasing brand sort of thing.
0: Exactly. Um, but what we when we started developing the showcasing, that showcase brand, and, and we did have a, a small batch run, um, which I think Steve and I consumed entirely on our own uh, because it never it never actually went anywhere. Um, but, uh, but what we realized was it was gonna split our focus too much. Uh, so if we really wanted to keep a lean team, which we always have, um, and focus on bringing this technology to market, running the clinical trials, finding the right partners, uh, trying to then also run this showcase brand was was going to distract us too much yeah, from yeah. The, the core mission of the company. Um, but going back to to the the I guess business model for us and and why we do call ourselves and and, and very much think of ourselves as a technology company, uh, we operate on on more of a, a licensing model. Um, yeah. So we have a we have a few different. Uh, sites here in the U.S. Um, that have our technology, and generally, what we'll do when we talk to a brand. So let's take Performix for example, who has been a wonderful partner for us. Like I said, since since we first completed our our, our first couple of clinical trials, um, you know, we'll work with them and figure out what what's the best manufacturing location for them. What what suits them. What you know, co-manufacturer. Uh, is is best for their protein products, whether it's somebody they're working with already, whether it's somebody that they're prospecting. Uh, and then we can go and, and put our technology in, in their preferred partner facility. Uh, we also have facilities where we can toll process. So if a brand said, Hey, you know, we just we want to have you know X kilos of Io, you know, can you do that? We'll ship it to your facility. We can do that. We have a, a, a co manufacturing partner who, who, or a multiple who can toll process, and they can ship us that material and we send it on to whichever finishing mm-hmm. uh, manufacturer they they have. Uh, one of the reasons we've done this with, with whey protein, with pea protein, um, is unlike a, and I think it's the same reason why branded ingredients, you know, if you're selling a branded ingredient to a company, it's, it's the same premise. All of these uh, supplement brands, the food companies, you know, pick the the vertical. They have their own preferred relationships with suppliers of yeah, you know, these yeah. materials. So one might prefer in the world away. Somebody might prefer milk specialties. Somebody's going to prefer glandia. Somebody's going to prefer mullins.
1: Uh, some others might have like relationships going back like decades, and they'll just it, never break it, them.
0: Exactly. So if we went in and said,
1: you know, you yeah, have to use
0: our our processed, you know, glandia way or, or milk specialties, and they say, well that's a deal breaker for us. Yeah. Um, our technology gives them the flexibility to choose or maintain whichever relationships that they want. If they want to switch, great. And if they want us to help you know, source material for them, we have relationships with suppliers as well. But if the brand really likes the, the mouthfeel, the texture, the color of the material they're already working with, uh, they can do that. And when we look at IO, um, our technology does not change the Color, it doesn't change the, the taste profile. So, if you've ever tried a, a high hydrolyzed protein, so anything over maybe 10, 10% hydrolyzed, uh, you see some pretty nasty taste implications for high hydrolyzed proteins. And um, there are some really great hydrolyzed proteins out there that are just tough to, to taste, you know? And, yeah. and I think that that's a limitation. At the end of the day, you're asking somebody to eat this. Um, so as, as great as the absorption might be, uh, if someone can't stomach, you know, swallowing that protein, it's you're going to have, a, a, yeah. you're going to have a clear upper, upper, you know, or a clear ceiling for where that tech te- technology can go. Um, our technology actually outperforms a a, hydroly- a high hydrolyzed whey protein um, from a bioavailability standpoint without any taste implications. And for brands, one of the reasons that's been really important as we adopt, uh, as we bring new brands into the fold, um, you know, we've brought the team at Caged Muscle that's using this technology. Uh, the folks at My Protein are, are using this technology as well. Uh, one of the things I know, you know, all of our brand partners love is that we're not disrupting their formulation work. So if you have some, if they've, they're 90% of the way there with their formula, they've got the flavoring dialed in, they've got all of the, they, they feel really great about the product. If we came in with a technology that changed any of those functional properties, we
1: they, do have, the whole thing again. Yeah. they have
0: to redo the whole thing. So they can be 90% of the way on their new product development. You drop slot IO in and it's a drop in replacement for, for what they're working with. And so that's been a big, a big advantage for us, I think, as, as we bring this technology to brands as well.
1: With the uh, the technology going back to what you're talking about, with the uh, um, basically the amino structure or the Mm -hmm. structure of the, is it a sort of something that, and I'm not too sciency on this, but just sort of, so is it something that you can like structure yourself? Like you have to do that whole, um, untangling like technology, as you say, because obviously if you were to apply that technology to a whey protein, the untangling of all the aminos would be very different to if you were to untangle say a pea protein and then you could go to like a milk protein and like obviously mm-hmm. their aminos are all different but is that something you have to change per source or is it just sort of the process applies and it naturally does it
0: so there are about a dozen variables that we can change within the technologies that exists today and and part of part of the the development pipeline for us is the modification of the adaptation of this technology oh, okay to so, these so it's new not
1: like throw whatever you want down the funnel and it'll just refine itself. You have to specifically have like a specific like whey isolate and and P protein. So, so, so
0: so across, across, uh, you know, product types. So a whey concentrate versus an isolate, assuming again, it's a WPI 80 or above, you know, human grade, if you will, that, that is, that doesn't make a difference. Um, but we do make sure to dial it in across protein types, Um, I will say it gets easier the more we do it right so the more applications we have and I will say in a lab setting we've adapted this to most of your protein types, Uh, there are lots of plant proteins so you pick one (laughs) brown we and and I will say like I said Steve's a tinkerer a a bit of a mad scientist with our within our company so if you there are some obscure protein types that we see out there, Um, and I'm sure that most of them he's he's worked with at some point, Um, but We've developed it in a lab setting for anything as big as soy, all the way down through some of your more obscure proteins. As a business, our focus has been on, on whey oh, and tea the on the protein ones. side. Yeah.
1: You, you don't want to yeah. get too, yeah, I get that. We don't want to spread our tell the
0: truth. And the other thing we, we know now, um, you know, we, we have done collaborative research in the past. And, and when it comes to new applications, because we have these existing applications that are doing well that are seeing adoption um you know performance brought iowa to costco towards the end of last year um you know we've we've got this technology in retailers like walmart as well you know the technology adoption the retailers have have responded well uh, our goal right now as a company or our focus is is certainly on the commercialization of those existing applications it's kind of like you know parallel to what we talked about earlier not wanting to to have to worry about building our own showcase brand and do all the other yeah, marketing yeah. efforts, and you know, just not wanting to spread ourselves too thin. Um, the other, the other thing for us uh, is that moving forward, when we bring new applications to market, it's helpful for us to just have a, a clear business partner in mind. So, if somebody's really excited about you know, I O soy protein um, and soy, not so much in the supplement side, but it still has a lot of use in, in broader food and beverage, you know, broader you know, just general food stuffs. Yeah. Uh, if someone wants to bring it to market there, you know, we certainly can do it with them. But the more discussions we have, the more we realize that each brand or each, especially the larger companies you talk to, they have their own quirks for study design. Um, and clinical trials take, they you know, they're they're incredibly expensive and they're also incredibly time consuming. So if we go out and spend, let's say 12 to 18 months bringing about what we think is the, the perfect IO soy study packet. We do a couple clinicals looking at upstream and downstream measures, and we bring this to a brand that brand might say, great, but we wanted to have this demographic makeup. We wanted to have yeah, this yeah, many. Yeah. And so now you basically spent 18 months on a proof of concept study. Whereas you could have just gone right to a brand, brought them in and said, let's design this together. Let's, let's approach this where we're partners on this. Uh, and we'll, do the study the way you want to see the results. Um, so we, we don't want to get too too far ahead of ourselves on these new applications.
1: So it's kind of like if it was a lifestyle brand and their target audience or their main audience was like women between the ages of 30 and 40. And mm-hmm. then you go to a bodybuilding brand and it's like dudes between 18 and I see what you mean. So you kind of yeah. like tailor the study to suit that audience, and then obviously mm-hmm. they can promote the benefits to fit. It's pretty cool. It's uh so I know you were saying uh, the uh, Protein is obviously the main focus because that's the nutrient that you can best enhance, and um, obviously, aminos, I imagine would help drastically with that. With mm-hmm. the um, over the age of sixty five, is there? I mean, I could be thinking really odd here, and again, I'm not yeah. too sciencey and stuff like this. But can that technology be applied to like other things? There, because obviously, whey, P, and BCS are all amino based, and so that it's all very so it's not the same but it's a similar kind of th- yeah. thing that we're talking about can it be applied to like other being in the sports nutrition space like can it be implied to other ingredients because there are a lot of things in this industry that you always get yeah. absorption enhances to because they got just poor bioavailability is that yeah even though we're not talking about aminos like if we're mm-hmm. talking botanicals and stuff like that is this something that can eventually obviously we're talking about much much smaller yeah. <laughs> like marketed like really small but yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so uh, on, on the broadest level, the, you know, the technology it's, is designed to treat powders. So foundationally anything that, that is in powdered form, that would be your universe of, of potential applications. Um, that is not to say, and, and I wish it, it were the case that this was a magic box and any powder you ran through it magically yeah, so got transformed. Um, but, but it, you know, it, we are always looking at, at, other areas beyond aminos and protein that we think best suit this technology um, there are potential applications beyond uh, you know your proteins your kind of amino based uh, materials um but it's it's not something that's been a, a core focus for us right now uh, to your point I, I know like curcumin is a is one we get asked about a lot I think part of the part of it is just figuring out um you know I guess what for us what the markets what the market size is what the appetite for yeah, what the real it. appetite for improvement is because again like i said if we're at the more we move outside of these you know the the kind of protein and amino space the greater the adaptations smaller. are required so the smaller the industry gets or the smaller the market gets um and then the, again the the more time intensive and resource intensive the development well but you
1: were saying you, you didn't want to get too specialists in the different types of plant protein yeah. so i imagine going down the road of like curcumin would just be is, is it is it potential to, because the only thing I could actually think of that's as broad as uh, protein is, is is vitamins and minerals, but mm. I mean, I'm not entirely sure, like, is, is this, like, let's just say your body absorbed, I don't know, in, in entirety of it, if the technology gets applied to th- sort of a, something like that, can it still be enhanced further or is it just got kind of like maximum capacity or...
0: Uh, I think for all things, there there is a theoretical max. Although I think as a community, we're we're very far from knowing what the theoretical maximum is okay, for a lot yeah. of these things. Um, but I, I'd say, like on the botanical side, on the vitamin side, it's not an area we've we've done much research in at all. Um, so I think I wouldn't say anything's off the table. I'd say in the next like two to three years, it's unlikely that that's you know where we'd bring this technology, unless there, you know, was a, a you know again if if a clear partnership presented itself. And we said, Hey, look, like this is, this is worth pouring resources into. Um, it, it could, it could be. Um, but I think that the world we're in right now is, is, is big enough. And I, I'm i sure if you hear uh, some noise in the background, apologies there, but uh, yeah, the, the world we're in now is big enough. I think we want to, to really see how we can tell this, this story of IO, how we can continue to educate consumers uh, and, and, bring this to as many as many people as possible, um, both in sports nutrition and, and I'd say you know our goal is, is, is moving beyond sports nutrition in the next uh, you know would say 18 to 24 months is starting to see this more in, in whether it's healthy aging, whether it's just general food and nutrition uh, or general food and beverage. I think that's a more likely next step for us when we think about the trajectory of the company then I'd say moving into like a, a vitamin or a botanical in the, the near future
1: yeah i mean because like you said it's kind of that was your core focus right from the beginning was to because obviously enhancing like i'm just talking from sports nutrition's perspective yeah, and obviously like you know we're talking for the needs of us which is incredibly small compared to the nutrition side and and like you said the core idea from the start was to enhance the nutrition of just you know, decay of muscle and everything like that and obviously proteins and aminos are just the go-to areas yeah. and um yeah. I mean, it does make sense. It's just uh, yeah, being from that space. We're always like, ah, you know, can we push this further? Can we do that? Yeah. I mean, oh, I, of
0: course. And I, I think in the, the, the for us right now, I think the focus is actually on getting more, getting owned to the hands of more sports supplement consumers. So uh, a big focus for us right now is international expansion. Um, right now we've, we've most, most of our, our footprint is, is here in the U S uh, we do want to start to bring this technology to, to people, throughout the world i think that you know there's no reason that someone from europe or australia can't benefit or, or uh yeah, you know from, from like this a, stuff a, as well
1: like a compliance or issue or anything it's just the mm-hmm. it's i was gonna say because the um the one thing i think and and right when you guys shared this like back when performance launched iowa and i thought it was just the coolest because some people share things and they'll put it in percentage aspects and they'll say this and they'll say that. But I thought that equivalency thing that you guys did, where you basically flat out said like, look, the the benefits that you're going to get in muscle protein synthesis and all that with our enhanced like 30 grams of whey protein that's not IO ingredient optimized is equal to 22 grams of protein from our... And I just thought that was the just... The, the most straight to the point thing as you could ever get, and I mean, from a sports nutrition side, I always like pushing the boundaries. So for me, mm-hmm. I'm not really going to be like I'll have less. I'm just thinking, <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. Sweet. Now I get 60 grams worth <laughs> in, my, in yeah. my two scoops kind of thing. Yeah,
0: I think, and I think that's part of the the um, I think the advantage for I O, but it's also part of the things we're constantly learning as well, is that you know with IO there are different ways that, that we tell this story to different consumers. If you're a hardcore athlete, if you're a bodybuilder, yeah the last thing you want is to say, oh great, I can drop my protein intake and still get the same amount right now. You're yeah. trying to figure out how can I how can I make the most even more um, And so there's a, a subset of, of consumers who, who that you know lower equivalency, you know oh, you can reduce your dosage is, is never going to resonate. Um, but as as sports nutrition, becomes it's a more mainstream right i mean if you think about how the general consumer thinks about protein oh, yeah, thinks about yeah. supplements now versus you know you know 10 15 years ago it's 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 worlds different um, and i think that's where you know for us the portability and the flexibility of the story around io uh, is, is one of our key advantages i think one of the challenges for us as a company is figuring out how we tell that most effectively Um, because like you said there are even within the world of you know athletes there are athletes who want to you know who do maybe want to make if you're in a if you're trying to to cut and you you are conscious about your calories right great i can have a lower calorie protein that was the other Uh, thing i
1: was thinking was like when it came out i said like this is it's it's obviously hard to think about this angle in sports nutrition i think to your point if you had a mainstream shake like, I think now how you get you get those uh, protein bars or and they've swapped out the lower calorie sugars and the lower calorie carbs. And you're like, oh, how do I get 20 grams of carbs? And it's only this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the same idea. In fact, it's the only thing that does it where you can get 20 grams of protein, but why is it not 80 calories? You could say mm-hmm. that you have the effectiveness of 20 grams of protein, but mm-hmm. because of the equivalency, it's working out to maybe 15 or something. And I think, like you're saying, it's, it's there's definitely an audience for it to say that, um, you're getting the benefits of 20 grams of protein, but with 20 less calories or whatever. So I think those kinds of things are, um, but again, like you said, it, it, it'll be applicable to a certain audience. I think, uh, obviously, bodybuilders are not gonna, they love the calories, <laughs> right?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're not trying to get a sub 100 calorie protein yeah. shake. Uh, so you I'll know, basically,
1: I- just say, yeah, I'll have, I'll have 100 <laughs> calories then and get. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, ten, I'll have
0: ten of those. That's great. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and and I think that's you know for us, you know, not coming from this industry originally. I think that was one of the the things. One of our, our growing pains was you know figuring out how do we tell these different stories most effectively because you know you go, we go in with a mindset. And again, I think anyone who creates, some, you know, you create your own company or you, you build something or you're you're championing a project wherever you work or whatever you do you always think that everyone will just see the value right away. Okay. Um, you know, all I have to do is put this out into the world and and instantly people will flock to it. And for us, you know, one of the things that, that we've done from from really from day one uh, was be really transparent in our research approach. So we, we basically took the approach of let's, whenever we have a human clinical, we want it to be open source. We want it to be public. If you go on our website right now, all of our, Human clinical, all of our work, our human clinical trials, our pre preclinical research. If you go on our science page uh, on our website, it's all there. And any brand, any consumer, anyone can go and and read through it. Um, and uh, and we thought that you know, basically initially, you know, we can put this out there, and that will be that will generate you know the buzz that we need. Um, And what we've what we've done over time and what we've done with you know performance what we've done with with uh, with Chris and Brian over at caged it's about building kind of layers for of an approach for consumers to interact with so there are some folks. um, Who are going to go to they're going to walk into a shelf, you know a store see what's on a shelf whatever's on the packaging, if it resonates with them great they take it if not. That's the end of their you know consumer journey. But I think what we're seeing a lot more now, and I know you talked to Todd about this too, is consumers are taking a much more active uh, approach to you know education about the products that they're they're engaging with and yeah. the products that they take. And so what we're what we try to do with our brand partners is create layers of engagement. So if someone just looks at you know picks up uh, you know I O A protein from Performix or you know clean meal from from Cage Muscle, looks at it, they see the gram equivalency they see the benefits of increased absorption and that's where their journey stops. That's great, we know they're gonna be happy about it. If they wanna go onto the, the site, the performance site, the CAGE site, the MyProtein site and watch you know videos from, from their, uh, their team about why IO is important, that's great. If they wanna go a level further and read all of the clinical trials, they can do that too. Uh, and I think for us, as as we've focused on really commercializing this well, I think that's been the biggest shift. If you look at, you know, if you were to pull up where IO was, you know, when you first started covering it uh, yeah. to where it is now, it's it's just giving consumer, letting consumers choose how much they want to engage. So again, like you guys do a great job of highlighting innovation. And there are some folks I'm sure who just go to Stacked, they read it, great, they click right through. But I think your audience and you probably do skew to an audience that that does wanna engage more. And we wanna make sure that no matter how deeply you wanna engage with our technology and with with what I was bringing to the table, there's something for you there. Um, It's just that I think early on, uh, I, you probably did have to be uh, into you know, journal articles to really engage with IO. And we, we didn't want to make that a prerequisite for benefiting from or for learning more about what this
1: technology can do. So Do you see like when you were talking about it moving into, I wouldn't say mainstream, but just like a broader audience. Because mm-hmm. the first thing that I can sort of think mm-hmm. of is, like you said, to reach someone on a more mainstream scale rather than visiting the protein section. Is this something you think you could potentially get infused with i mean the most mainstream situation i could think of is like i don't know like a chocolate milk or a, or some sort of beverage and then it may not have pro- much protein in it it might just be the milk that's in there and then that milk just so happens to be uh, ingredient optimized is that something that could potentially like you're, you're, in, in essence, you're putting more protein into certain, into a drink without adding actually, is that sort of the avenue you think? Or do you think, do you think you're going to have to sort of encourage a mainstream product to be like, if you put more protein in there, we can help you? Or do you think it's, you can kind yeah. of meet them in the middle? I, I think it's a, it's a meet, meet them in the middle approach. Uh, so, you
0: know, the overlap between your traditional food companies and the supplement space is, you know, is increasingly great. The margin or the the gap between them, you could say on the flip side is increasingly small. So you look at, you know, post who, you know, if you grew up knowing for the cereals, you might pull off the the shelf. Well, they, you know, got the, got dimetized. You look at uh, Kellogg's has Soylent. Now you look at Pepsi, they have evolved protein shakes and and I think muscle milk as well. So, so, so the, the, you know, the, the worlds are merging. And I think that you Sadly. know, look at, Nestle, look at Nestle, like Nestle, the, the folks that give you your Nespresso, are also you know the folks with Garden of Life or with uh, with Atrium. So I think that when we look at you know moving into more mainstream, I think that these larger food companies have already signaled that they they do see that as the future. Uh, I think that the entry into to food and bev- broader food and beverage for us will likely at first, like you said, meet in the middle. Probably start in some of those products that are already protein oriented. Um, but you know, when we look at IO, you know, our 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 technology and how it applies to the ingredient, you know, one of the the major benefits is that anywhere protein powder is used as an ingredient, and that's most food categories. I was gonna say, say, because it doesn't
1: necessarily need to be like whey, it could be milk, it could be kind of correct any sort of dairy protein sort of source it
0: it could be dairy plant source that you know protein is pervasive um you know pick a pick a food aisle in your grocery store you're still going to probably see it as an ingredient in probably the majority of those aisles um but uh with IO, you know, we do see enhanced thermal stability. Um, so IO can be used because we're, we're working with protein at its source, we're, we're transforming the, the bulk material. If it's going into an RTD, if it's going into a bar, into a cereal, into a baked good, it doesn't just have to be a powder. Um, IO can deliver and then, you know, we'll, we'll show that or we'll, we'll bring about those enhancements and the, that improved bioavailability. So over time, you know, again, one of the, the real advantages we see is that the, you're not limited by form factor. I know right now, IO is in bulk powders because in the world of sports nutrition, that tends to be where your, your protein moves. Um, and that's where brands like to test out, you know, new protein technology. Um, but this, this uh, our proteins or our, our uh, technology will, will be in any number of, of form factors as, as we move on in the next couple of years. And uh, I think it's when we talk to brands about long-term strategy for IO, I know that's one of the things that they're most excited about is that, again, we're, we're impacting the core ingredient. So anywhere that ingredient can go, they can start to think about what they can do with IO, as opposed to, hey, yeah. you're locked into a bulk yeah, powder and yeah, a, a, you know, where's your shaker cup, um, which is still going to be a big market for us, but it's going to be part of the story.
1: And that's cool. I think to be honest, I knew a little bit, I knew a, a good amount about it, but I think the thing that's most surprising about this conversation was the how the whole thing works. I just assumed you guys had a warehouse somewhere and you're yeah. just running through powder and it was just mm-hmm. optimizing it and you were selling it. It's really kind of cool and it kind of makes a lot more sense that you refer to yourself as an ingredient technology company because you're essentially selling the equipment or technology Mm -hmm. or not selling it but you're i guess doing however you do you're gifting it and put it into their lineup Mm -hmm. and then it's just it's just an addition to a manufacturing run and it's kind of just optimized it on the way through which is it's got to be ridiculously like uh like a lightweight as a company like you're not you haven't got Mm -hmm. warehouses of parity you've just got these additions to Linus, it's got to be, um, like the only one that I, I mean, I don't know every company out there in the ingredient space, but it's yeah. gotta be one of the, the, the only ones that I know of that sort of turns an ingredient into a premium ingredient on the fly. Like yeah. Yeah. The,
0: the, the, notion of just in time processing in the ingredient yeah. space. And, and I, I do think, you know, it's one of the ways in which coming at this completely outside of, of the nutrition and food space, I think, was an advantage for Steve and I, because there was no, you know, preconceptions about how we had to do this. You know, this is, yeah. this is just how ingredient com- companies function. I mean, um, if I this, was to
1: do it, I would like you said, if I was to come up with something, I would be coming up with what I'm familiar with. You guys weren't familiar with anything. So you just came up yeah. with something where like, I'm going to squeeze this in somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of really cool to just hear how very different
0: it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 it, you know, it certainly presented some, some bolts some and business model, you know, challenges. I think that, you know, getting you talked about it when we're pitching this to companies, you know, you're pitching it to a company initially and, you know, the, the expectation is like, OK, great. So you ship us however many kilos. <laughs> and then and so, you know, even still, we'll go into conversations with with people. And we've been doing this for, for a few years now. And uh, the, the, they're they're still sometimes surprised uh, that, you know, our our general question is you know, if they're if the volumes are there. Great. Where where would it make sense to, to put this technology? if the volumes are smaller or they want to do, you know, pilot, you know, runs things like that. Great. We have a toll manufacturer. You send us whatever material you want. You keep your relationships. It's, it's not the way things traditionally go. Yeah, it's um, different. And, uh, and the, you know, the, the, uh, you know, all the credit in the world to Steve, who, who, who designed built this, this, this technology, it, it runs as quickly. Uh, it's designed to run as fast as agglomeration. Um, so if you think about, you know, instantized proteins, instantized whey or agglomerated way. Um, it's, it's designed so that you could put this theoretically in, you know, a a whey manufacturing plant, a P P manufacturing plant. And there's no change to the the throughput. There's no change to uh, the speed or the pace at which they're producing protein. It's just it's it'll slot yeah. right in. Um, and so again, if there there were a lot of engineering challenges that that we had to address up front. Knowing that we would we would be working with these manufacturing partners, um, it certainly presents its own host of supply chain challenges. I'm sure talking to, to Matt and and Todd, uh, you know, both on and off air, you know, supply chain has been a bear for everybody over the last couple of years. You know, it's a different set of supply chain challenges for us because, you know, we don't control um, that source yeah. material supply. Um, but when you talk about a lean operation and, and how that that manifests for us. Um, it, it allows us to weather, you know, we don't have a giant warehouse with, you know, unsold inventory just sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're trying to figure out, you know, how do we, how do we weather a new product development slowdown? Because I know for a lot of brands, the last year has been, you know, how do we take what we already have and just uh, navigate? Some of the
1: industry knows how to knows how to adapt, and that's what they did ex- very ex- well. Exactly, I think they did a phenomenal
0: job. A phenomenal job. Um, So you know, every everyone has has, I think, a different set of challenges that their business model brings. But it it is, to your point, uh, when we describe how we do this to to some folks, they're still, uh, it it still gets you know, I think, throws some people off guard because they're just not used to they're not used to
1: it. When you say it to me, I'm just like, man, this sounds like I don't want to like make it sound bad. I'm like, man, it sounds so easy. <laughs> I like,
0: wish, like, I wish it, I wish it were a little easier. But yeah, I, I, from a uh, you know at the, at the highest level, it does allow us to do some. I think it allows us flexibility as a business that we might yeah, not otherwise.
1: it's gotta be like, and it's a weight off the company's shoulders. You're like, I, I get to pack more into my product. All you got to do is slap this thing on the run. Like it just mm-hmm. sounds like a huge selling point. Yeah, to me, yeah. The flex,
0: the flexibility has been really helpful, and and you know the ability to work with. Uh, with manufacturers, um, you know, again, like I said, the machine itself, the technology itself, is is, is a very small footprint. Um, it can run in line, so if you've got the the volume, it can just sit in line, protein powder running through it. The the real requirement for us is just that it's a continue, uh, you know, a constant flow rate. Um, but uh, it, it, we have we have configurations where the machine is, you know, most think of it as like on a cart, and you can slide it into place when you want to utilize it, when they're doing IO, you know, runs because for a lot of these co-manufacturers, they're, you know, producing for goodness knows how many brands, yeah, right? Yeah. So when they're doing IO runs, slide it, it in there. It
1: has to be e- like easily removable as well. It
0: has to, exactly. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so there are a lot of, a lot of things that went into, you know, the footprint, the design, um, knowing that again, we wanted to focus on developing this technology and building out the R&D portfolio, not on you know, being a supplement brand and a co-manufacturer and the ingredients, you know, source uh, or supplier. um, We, we really wanted to to focus on what we think we do best. Um, And, uh, and hopefully uh, your readers, your listeners who've tried this agree that we, we are putting great product out there um, because uh, I know we've been, we've been really encouraged by the growth over the last few years. Um, But uh, we're just, we're going to continue to put out new stuff.
1: Well, I thank you for coming on. And, and to be honest, like I said, I knew a little bit about this, but I think I know a lot more about it. And I'm kind of like, it's just, yeah, it's da- damn, damn cool is the best I could say. And I think it's just, you explained everything kind of, I don't know, as, as easy as understandable by me, which is not always the easiest. Thing. <laughs> like, and, I, and I think everyone would kind of understand it if I can get it, it's just, yeah, you just put it in very simple words and, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing more brands pick it up because it's just, just it's very seamless, very easy to adopt and very kind of, and it's a benefit that, like you said, with a lot of absorption ingredients uh, being thrown into protein powders now, this is kind of similar, but it applies directly to the, the way, and it doesn't really get you know, have to add anything else in. And it's, it's very interesting. It's very cool. And, and, and yeah, thank you for coming on and kind of just, yeah, going through the whole thing. It's been awesome.
0: Yeah, Shane, I really do appreciate it and appreciate all of your support. Uh, I know you've, you've featured IO, uh, our stories, our research over the years, and, and we really do appreciate what you're doing in this space because uh, there, are, there are not as many outlets as we'd, we'd hope that focus, that really do try to focus on innovation. And uh, I know you, you guys always do. So we really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you.